This is Linux Unplugged, Episode 2, for August 19th, 2013. Linux Unplugged, our second episode, a show that I won't say cleans up after the sloppy seconds of the Linux Action Show, but it's definitely inspired <laughs> from the Linux Action Show. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. Welcome to number two, man. Welcome. Right on. So uh, this week, we're going to, tr- wh- a big part of Linux Unplugged going forward is audience interaction because we've got some smart people out there. We want to get the community involved. Arbilus in our chat room set us up with a mumble server on a hosted system. We actually had a couple people that uh, did, some, did some projects for us around mumble. It was really awesome. But Arbulus set us up a hosted server, and we're just having a few issues. I installed Mumble right before the show started. Didn't work out, but don't fret, Matt. I don't want you to stress. I am not stressed. I, you know, I think I can keep myself seated and calm. Oh, okay, yes. good. Good. I think I'll be right. All right, well. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll open up the Skype line, and then folks can call in as we go. Exactly. I, I think, though, today, uh, should we start with follow-up stuff from last week's episode what do you think or i'm i guess I, yesterday's episode? i guess that would be yesterday yeah, yeah i think that's a good plan because i'm there's a lot of stuff that we've thought of and i'm sure that the audience has as well yeah you know you and i were just talking a little bit during the pre-show that uh, you know you, you poked a little more at elementary and mm-hmm. i realized uh so it, i guess we should back up uh, yesterday in the linux yep. action show sunday um we reviewed elementary os luna and big review big highly anticipated i think probably everybody knows about it and uh, there it's funny because i i definitely missed a couple of aspects in the review. I knew I would. I knew I would. And the one that struck me is, I thought maybe a point that I should have made during the review was that I could see this being a really good desktop elementary OS Luna for developers because you got a good, clean, efficient system that really lets you focus on your work. And I think for developers, there's some value in that Ubuntu LTS compatibility and support. You get, you know, you get application uh, applications that are targeted for Ubuntu LTS, especially in the, in the work sector, um, and with that UI and all of that, I really think it would be a compelling developer's desktop. I think it's an amazing developer's desktop. And I think it, once you accept the fact that they're not trying to target people that want lots of settings, it begins to make a lot of sense. I think that's the one fall down. A lot of people look at it and say, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? I, don't, I can't find my settings. It's not necessarily designed yeah. for options on its options. You want KDE if you want that. I think you know that's, that is uh, why it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I have... I have watched over the I have watched over the last couple of years my options be removed from me as a user, and I'm just now I I'm sort of the the pendulum has swung and now I just want everything, right, give it all right. to me and I will just deal with the complexity because I prefer to have the complexity than not to have the flexibility. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of my thing on it too is that I found myself I was drawn to the simplicity of it, but then I realized that there are other ways of making an existing desktop, sex, uh, XFCE or whatever it may be, OpenBox, yeah, yeah. other simplistic desktops that you can still do that with. So I wasn't limited to going just that route. Okay. Okay. Let's put our uh, time machine caps on <laughs> and right. project way out into the future. And uh, uh, Ubuntu has really gotten some traction with sort of carriers taking Ubuntu and putting it on old Android devices that didn't sell very well. And now they're all running. This is like two years from now. And they're okay. all running like Ubuntu Touch, and they're selling it as like the Verizon OS and all of this junked up crap, right? 
and exactly. and the and the progress on the Ubuntu desktop continues, but it sees less and less attention as time goes on. This seems like a potential reality in a few years, right? It does. That leaves companies, and I'm wearing my System76 shirt right now, but that leaves companies like System76 in a real bad spot. It's going to force them to make some tough choices and to now, really look at where they want to go in, the, in future directions. And I think that they're resilient enough that they would adapt. Oh, sure. But it certainly creates a hassle. Well, think about this. Uh, that same time is another couple of years of polish and new applications and improved on the existing applications for elementary OS. Maybe elementary OS sort of becomes like the OS 10 of desktop Linux that a company like System76, who is very, you know, they have very high-end products. It, 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 in, in some regards, Ubuntu is almost not good enough for the System76 hardware. And they don't sponsor this show. I'm just saying that. Like, the, the hardware is better than the operating systems. And they, like, they could, I could really see, like, a slick metal System76 Ultrabook with elementary OS on it would be a really, really compelling pro- a product that would be competitive with the MacBook Air. You know, I would expand on that and go a step further and say, in my mind, if they want to go that route, then they really need to run their own distribution. And I know that's a ballsy, heavy-handed approach. Yeah. yeah. But but you know, let's say they go with that. You know, they go with uh, elementary, and it's rocking, and everything's awesome. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, the developers done. Now what? Oops, they're back to square one. Yeah. But if they were to borrow that code and basically do what like Mint did, to where they basically said, "Thanks, I'm going to do this is great, but we're going to start working on our own projects and actually building away from that." Um, based on the same thing, not because they're trying to be douchey, but just because they want to make sure they're covering their backsides should yeah. the unthinkable happen. And they control the whole stack. And they, exactly. You know, but the, see, yeah. the thing is, is they're focused on hardware. They are. And that's where, that's where there's – And the elementary rub. is focused on UI. The, the alternative to that is then maybe they begin to fund elementary to where it's oh, like, okay, interesting. We, Hire, yeah, maybe hire the dev or, or help them exactly. out a little bit. Yeah, and that'd be Exactly. Do a Red Hat approach or a, a Novell approach to where basically they fund the project where it's like, okay, we don't have time to manage this, but we need to make sure you guys are. Yeah. You know, that would be another alternative. Uh, they don't have that problem with Ubuntu, which is a sweet spot for them, and it you know, allows them to do what they need to do. But you know, they, uh, they're definitely a hardware company, and so you know, Ubuntu doing weird things would definitely create some issues for them. Yeah, I, I think I find it to be uh, – in an interesting future where we go, it's good to see some of these desktops that are coming up that are really offering some mm-hmm. serious uh, alternatives. And, you know, um, I, I think we'll just kind of kick back and look forward to future releases of elementary OS. Absolutely. Did you have yeah, any def- other? Well, one last thought is I like the idea of the unified application stack. I don't think that's for everybody, but I think for just somebody that in an enterprise environment or somewhere they just need a, you know simple applications to do basic things without a lot of fluff and cruft. I think that's a nice approach, and I'd like to see more of that. So uh, KDE 4.11 hit my rig this morning before Coda Radio mm-hmm. started. I, <laughs> I, I, did the, uh, I did the upgrade and thought, yeah, should I wait? Yes. Should I wait <laughs> until after Coda Radio? But I didn't. I didn't wait, mm-hmm. and it turned out fine. And oh. um, knock on press board, Matt. Haven't <laughs> had a sound issue yet. No I, kidding. I, I mean, I did. We just actually on the pre-show had a little sound problem, but that was mumble-related, not right. You know. But I've 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 been switching interfaces this morning, and so far, so far no problem. That's awesome, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that that sticks because then I'll feel more comfortable about using KDE more frequently. I know this is cliche cliche to say too, but it, it feels a little faster too. 
Oh, well, wow. now that I do know from what I've read that they – well, that was a big sentence. I know that I've been reading a lot of uh, details that they've been trying to speed things up to optimize, optimize, optimize. That's really been a big focus for them. And so that may continue and that may be what's, what we're experiencing now with the new release. So yesterday and last, we covered the Steam stats. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how it's, it's, it's uh, probably around Linux usage on Steam is about 1.69% or something like that. And I thought, I was looking at this, you know, this is something I've been trying to track for the show so that way we could kind of have a good perspective on the growth of Steam and we could kind of comment on how the how Steam is doing on Linux in general. And I've realized that there's really, nobody is tracking um, this number very well. There's like, we get the monthly snapshot, but nobody's like putting it in a database and charting it and like showing us on a line graph where it's going. Exactly. Show me exactly what you're showing me. Because, I mean, they're just basically throwing numbers at you, which are meaningless without deeper details. Yeah, and they get in like, and how do I, you know, it's kind of hard to picture how these numbers compare to three months ago. It'd be nice if I could, you know, see a a trend. Um, And I I find it interesting. There's a a guy, his name is uh, Horace uh, Horace Deju. He has a website called Asimco, and he does this for the mobile market. He kind of, he, he, he he goes in there and digs out all of the uh, information nuggets out of the uh, out of the quarterly reports and you know publicly available statements. He digs it all out, gets all the hard numbers, and then he puts together these incredible graphs and charts of of iPhone versus Android and iOS right. seven versus Android four three. All you know, all this other stuff. But it's really good from like a uh, trend analysis standpoint to sit back and go, oh yeah, I can definitely see how where these two lines cross each other. Mm-hmm. My personal plea, Matt, to the Linux community: if anybody out there is good with graphs and numbers. Maybe take on this watching Steam on Linux uh, thing. I think that it's one of those beats you could start to follow that as as the time goes on will sort of grow into a, a larger and larger role in the Linux community. That'd be mine. Well, it'd be awesome if someone could break it down for us just to like, okay, exactly what is truly being said here? Where are they dropping the ball? Where, where is it falling into the other category? Um, which you know, which distros are specifically involved? I would love some actual meat and potatoes details yeah. on what's actually yeah, happening, and I'm not seeing that. It'd be really interesting to be able to like really see like when one distro is starting to fall off. You right. know, and like, oh, this distro is losing popularity. Then we could all yeah. gossip about why that would be. John Bob's Linux is over is surpassing Hannah Montana or whatever. You know, whatever the thing may be. I, you know, I want to know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I want to just cover a couple of uh, bits of uh, feedback to this show, and then we'll get into some more uh, uh, some other topics. But uh, you know, I I'm only going to let us talk about ourselves for so long. Once we get to like episode five or so, it feels embarrassing to, to be <laughs> right. so self indulgent. But uh, we got a really good response to uh, the first episode, so thank you, everyone. We're nice. pretty excited about that, and um, we got got uh, a lot of people that uh, were uh, very very happy to see another show. Like it just surprised them; they didn't catch the last bit on last. I'm like, what another show? So yes, here is another show. The show is a little different. It's a little less visual centric. It's more audio centric. Part of the reason is uh, there's more Linux involved in the production of the uh, show. All of all of my uh, all of my visuals here are done on all of my notes and everything. All my web pages, my chat, everything's on Linux. And unfortunately, um, I don't. I can't be hardwired into the switcher like I am when I'm in the studio. So I can't show you my screen as easy. Now I do have a backup uh, Apple Macintosh computer. <laughs> it's a, they named them after the Apple man. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these guys. The, they're not named after the Orange, and all yeah. this time, yeah, oh my it's, gosh. it's run by a gay a guy okay. a guy named Wozniak. Uh, he I guess he owns the. I'm not I'm not familiar with the details, Matt. Anyways, I got one of their <laughs> fruit computers here. So if we do have something we need to show up on the screen, I can. But I probably won't be using it as much. Just I wanted to kind of make that disclaimer. And as the tech as that tech gets worked out, that that'll kind of get solved. You know, we'll. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way to remotely get 
the uh, video screen on my Linux box to a remote broadcast machine. I don't have that figured out yet. There is software available that used to work under Wine that Matt and I used to use. We kind of had to jump through some hoops to make it work, (laughs) but we got it to work. And now that doesn't work anymore either. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, and and for the and before anyone mentions, yes, we're aware of Cinderella, we're aware of VNC, we're aware of all the various Linux applications hmm. that allegedly can make you do these I things. Wonder, uh, yeah, but I wonder, they guess, don't really, they yeah. don't really do it well. No, it really would like VNC, like even that would be, be kind of, yeah, it would well, not. That's be very usually smooth. what happens is someone chimes in and says, "Well, you can do it with a, you know, use OpenShot over here with some Kden Live on top of that, and then under <laughs> this you use some VNC, and then you stand on one foot, and, and then do you a just pipe and, it through Blender, and exactly, yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 it's like, wait, what? And how do you do all this live? It's like, wait, what now? It's like, well, you know, they got green screen. What's a green screen got to do with an audio show? I mean, yeah, it just gets really out of control. The other so. good news is because it's audio, uh, <laughs> nobody will know that this is a two-beer show for me. Nobody's going to know that. I'm in the clear. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it. Um, nice. All right. Well, uh, so guess what? Guess what? Ooh. Pretty excited. Okay. We got two sponsors this week. So I thought maybe we'd cover Woo-hoo. our first sponsor. And then uh, I want to talk after we talk after we talk about uh, our sponsor this week. I want to uh, cover a little bit more on um, the Steam community. I want to talk a little bit about rolling my own mail server because I've gotten some good feedback on that. And then I'm going to cover some of the emails we've gotten into the show. And uh, we'll take some Skype calls, too. So we've got a lot coming up. But uh, first, I want to thank Ting. That's right. Ting.com is sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Now, Ting is mobile that makes sense. A lot of you guys are familiar with Ting. But Matt, right over there, our very own Matt, is a recent convert. I am. Uh, Chris was kind enough to uh, to give me to the Galaxy Note 2, Samsung Galaxy Note 2, like, and it is running Ting. How much larger is that Note 2 than the Droid? It's like the, the <laughs> Droid was a, like, was it a four-inch screen on the Droid? It was Let's a see, I've got my screen. Droid. Yeah, it, just screen, just looking at screen because I have a case on it, so it kind of gives an interesting perspective. I would say about two inches. Yeah, it, uh, it feels bigger, yeah. but that's not a bad mm-hmm. thing because it does kind of solve my phablet. Uh, challenge that I had previously. Yeah, well, you're not a big tablet guy, right? So this is right in this, this is in the sweet spot. Exactly, because yeah. I I don't really prefer I don't really like tablets, but I would love something I could fit in my pocket, and this will fit. And yeah. it's like, well, this is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, signal strength has been fantastic. I live in the middle of nowhere, and I have Verizon and I have Ting, and I'm actually getting one. And I'm I'm being completely straight with you guys. Where I'm located in my home right now, I have four bars on Ting and two bars on Verizon. Don't know. And what's great is uh, the uh, the uh, barrier to entry is super low. Like oh, if yeah. you you know you didn't like know before minutes. you tried it. <laughs> oh right, it was super easy to set up. Right, yeah. you were able to, were you able to activate it all through the website? I was able to activate the whole thing. Uh, I had to uh, disassociate uh, the previous number, which was super simple thanks to their help. I went to their help thing, typed in, "Hey, how do I disassociate previous number?" Typed it in, it gave me the numbers to dial. Did it, bam, bam, bam. Restarted the phone. It re-recognized. I was good to go. I was instantly calling people. And texting Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty impressed. And uh, the, the way Ting works, so it's really like zero risk, is you only pay for what you use. So they just break out your rate by minutes, text message, and megabytes. They'll bill you at the end of the month for whatever bucket you fall into. And the base rate's like six bucks. So, you know, Matt, if for some reason uh, one we, one month even you don't use the phone for an entire month, you're not out like some crazy amount of money. You oh. just you're out what you didn't pay. You, it's $6 flat. You don't, if you didn't exactly. use it, you didn't use it. I love that. I literally dig through my couch to pay the bill. I love that, right? <laughs> it's couch money. And now also you've got a device you can take with you at all times. It has built-in right. ho- uh, tethering and hotspot as part of the plan. 
uh, which is just so nice. There's no add-on chargers for things like voicemail, caller ID, oh, three-way calling, call forwarding. All that stuff is built in, super easy to manage through the Ting website. No contract, no overages, no penalties when you want to turn it off, and no bundling of ride-along services. Plus, Ting has excellent customer service. We've gotten letters and letters from people that confirm when they call into Ting, you'll get an answer within one or two rings. You'll talk to a real person. If you call between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., one eight five five ting ftw They got FTW in their phone number. <laughs> okay. That, that, <laughs> how like cool that. is that? How cool is that? That so is awesome. Go check out Ting. Go get a great cell phone and go get yourself a cell service that knows you're smart. That's not trying to trick you in, in and, and lure you in with a carrot and then trap you. You guys know well, I better. love that there's no weird fees. It's like when I look at how much I use or what I'm planning on using, and I also love the fact I'm not going to be nailed on data. It's just it just rolls up or down accordingly. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I'm looking at it. It's like oh, that's my that's my bill. There's no weird like use fee or anything bizarre. It's just awesome. There's certain types of devices, and I, I'd put the maybe the HTC One and the first iPad. The, really, my you know my first tablet experience, even the first Nexus. Like mm-hmm. when you hold it, it clicks in a whole new way. Like right. oh, this is a game changer. I feel that way about Ting and my device. When I have when I have Ting service with a smart device like that, it's like okay, so so this is the future. It's not as bad as these other telcos are trying to make it. It's exactly. it, we can actually do this. And it, Ting Ting makes me really excited about the future of these mobile devices paired with an, a fantastic service like Ting. So go to Linux linux.ting.com that's right we got the code linux for linux unplugged how cool is that so go to (laughs) linux.ting.com that's so great i love that we got linux.ting.com and uh, save 25 dollars off your first device or 25 dollars off your first month of service thanks to ting for sponsoring linux unplugged big thank you i want to talk a little bit just as a lead up Probably was to a topic that'll be in next week's episode. I hope we're not bringing people out on this, but listen, this Indiegogo's only got hours left on it. But Ubuntu Edge at this point looks like it's not going to make its thirty-two million dollar goal. No, no, not not unless Trump or some rich dude, some rich guy comes bombing in with a bunch of money. I don't see it happen. Yeah, I thought uh, Crash Bandicoot. Uh, he's in our IRC sub and in our subreddit, and he had uh, three points that he felt like were sort of the major reasons Ubuntu Edge was not going to reach funding. Uh, number one reason, no hardware to show. If people could read a review of it, they would be more inclined to actually put some money down because everyone's been burned by big promises in the past. I think you kind That's of expressed that. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, hardware specs are nice, but as anyone who's moved from a leg-ridden high-end Android to a smooth-as-butter iOS device and back knows, hardware specs count as almost nothing these days. This adds to my above point, without an actual third-party review, people don't have enough data to risk the money. I think this is absolutely true. And he mm-hmm. says, he goes on to point, you know, mention there's been other things like RAM and storage are, are, are locked in, but other other aspects are vague. He said, we also live in a buy now, pay later society. And I, this is a huge issue too. And a pay now, receive, pay now and receive later model is difficult one to sell with fundraising campaigns and the perks aren't priced as high. And so people don't mind risking 20 or 50 bucks here or there to support them. But this is a major outlay for a lot of people. Uh, who are not necessarily even paying one-third of this for a phone that they'd be receiving right then and there. Even though they're still really paying full price, they only see the initial outlay as the expense. Well, and I think that's the big issue right there. I mean, it's not only a matter, as you pointed out, of having to, you know, avoiding the whole buy now, get it later, the whole instant gratification thing, but the fact that they're saying, okay, drop 600 bucks, 500 bucks, 700 bucks, whatever it may be, and then wait. Wow, really? I mean, that sucks. I, yeah. you know, I mean, that really sucks. I mean, it's not, not because the phone sucks, but the experience just, it, it, 
you know, marketing 101, no one wants to do that. It's right. like, I'm willing to outlay the money, but give me some, make darn sure that thing's in the mail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't make me wait for six months or whatever it may be. Forget that. No way. Yeah, I totally follow you. And I think, so what it is, is it's a niche of a niche because it's a, it's a yeah. niche of people who want the Ubuntu operating system and that aren't already satisfied with the existing products on the market, which is probably the majority. But then once you, once you take those people down, it's, it, then you have to go for the niche of the people. I go back to Mark's example of the Formula Racing car. It's a custom-built, limited design. I personally... I am more inclined to buy tech if it's a limited mint edition. Like if, like if, yeah, if, if I'm yeah. one of the few, you know, fifty thousand people or eighty thousand people that had an Ubuntu Edge, that's a thrill for me. So I'm willing to wait the year because it's sort of like getting in on a on an indie car race car kind of thing. Like I do kind of see that that end of the argument. Only it's more at a at a at, at a uh, you know. At a, at, a, at a wage worker's uh, price point yeah, than a race car. Right, exactly. Uh, so I was willing to wait. Um, but I think, I think I am a minority in that regard. Well, and I think that you touched on something that's really important. You mentioned the whole, you know, we need to find a way to add some exclu- uh, an, an exclusive experience behind this, and whether that's a private conference call with Mark Shuttleworth or a, uh, a little club to where they get to see all the behind the scenes stuff that nobody else gets to see at all. Or I mean, so, some, give me give me something now. I mean, it's something even mildly compelling now, not later. And I think if they can come up with kind of a, a club environment to do that, some sort of a, I, I don't know what it would be, but they, what their offerings kind of suck. Um, you know, right now, I mean, the phone's cool. Eventually, maybe if it ever happens, but you know, and then of course you're on top of that battling the fact that you have a mindset of people saying, "Well, it's going to fail, so no one's going to bother." Yeah, especially when the price was so high. Right. You know, it's the phone is a really cool idea for anyone listening. I want to really drive it home. I'm not belittling the phone at all. I'm belittling the the how badly this campaign was done. It was absolutely done with the expectation that people are just going to be beating themselves over the head with their wads of money coming to the. Coming to the table. I suppose Give me a break. So. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be – I'm just being honest. And I think the phone's a cool idea. It was good for St- good enough for Stephen Fry, Matt. It should be good enough for <laughs> – so they've raised uh, – they've, yeah. they've gotten uh, – this morning when I was doing Coda Radio, they're at 11.4. Now they're 11.57 mm-hmm. million. 57 hours remaining. Uh, I think one of the things I wanted to give some thought for by uh, Sunday's Linux Action Show is – what does this mean if it if it fails? What are the? I mean, we know what Canonical is going to say. Canonical is going to come out and say, even though it didn't reach funding, it was is a success. We started the conversation. We moved the dialogue forward. We got people thinking. We we dared. You are you know. speak, right? <laughs> uh, but that's what a company has to do, right? No, no, they don't have to. They choose to. I I, I work with PR, and I it makes me cringe every time I hear it. No, I I, I agree. I agree. I do agree. With you. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It does make me cringe too, and I don't like it. And it makes me roll my eyes, and it makes me think, "Gosh, that's why I like community back." And they're stuff. a great company with a great idea and a great phone, and I want to see them see them succeed. But they need to get off their pedestal. They're not Apple. People aren't going to just j- magically jump over there for the promise of air. That you need to offer something upfront that gets these folks excited, if nothing more than to make them part of the build experience. Even that would be something towards like we can't fly you out, but we can have private streaming uh, video streams we can have private meetings we can have just include people yeah include people in the experience then at least they might actually give a rip because then they feel like they're part of this phone that's not here yet that's all i mean just oh man it's so obvious i just can't put together how they haven't figured that out (laughs) that makes me want open beer number two so i'm gonna do it oh my god yeah Uh, all right all right well we'll ruminate on it i want to talk about it more on sunday 
Um, if you guys want to call into Jupiter Broadcasting on Skype yeah. and share your thoughts on why Ubuntu Edge is, or maybe you still think it could has a shot, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that argument. I really would. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I, that would, I would love to hear some theories on it for sure. We talked a little bit uh, this morning on Cody Radio. Uh, we talked about two things. Uh, second thing we talked about was the Ubuntu Edge stuff kind of from a developer's perspective. Um, I'm drinking a Heineken, by the way, the chat room asks. And, you know, don't, before you jump on me, the wife brought me home a couple of cases, and I'm not going to begrudge her for bringing me home beer. Hey, anyone bringing you a Heine, you know, Heine's yeah. a popular yeah. beer. Yeah. First thing we talked about, and this is kind of cool, Matt, is you know how uh, on Coda Radio, uh, you know how Facebook has Facebook Connect and Google, you mm-hmm. can authenticate to stuff using your Google account and Twitter. Right. You, yeah. Oh, we got a call. Ooh, let's oh. see who's calling cool. in. HR is calling. All right, well, I'll finish my thought after we talk to HR. Alrighty. Hey, HR. Welcome to uh, Linux Unplugged, man. Hi. Hi. Uh, so, are, are you calling in to talk about Ubuntu Edge? Yeah. Um, sorry, my feed's got. Oh yeah, caller. You have to uh, mute your radio when you call into yeah. the. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. 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 It's like good old fashioned uh, radio call-in shows where people call in and, and they're in the car and they have their radio on in the car and then the radio host is like, yeah. "Caller, turn down your radio." It's the same thing here on the show. Yeah. Yeah, no. What I was talking about was uh, uh, between live feed and Skype. There was like a major difference for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, something that kind of like got my attention about the whole Ubuntu phone thing was the fact that everything they decided they wanted to use and were saying they were going to use was like stupid high end. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't believe it possible. Yeah. And it's like the pricing for just the specs of the phones or of the phone by itself would you'd be able to you'd most likely be able to afford I don't know two or three iPhones exactly so on you contract could, you could, though on right. contract on, not off on contract. contract yeah 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 on contract but like I mean like the manufacturing cost alone for these phones would be just like stupid I mean they could go with lower or not, like not lower crappy end pardon the language but like not as nice like what was the glass again ruby glass or whatever it was sapphire glass metal case sapphire right. glass yeah yeah like, well, like, like maybe even using down, the firefox phone as an example of that because i think you nailed a point because the firefox phone they have phones available now on ebay and they're lower end phones yeah yeah yeah, but if you're asking people to shell out 700 bones i think you got to make it a high end device i think it's got to be premium well, then again, if if the if the if the device was being made out of such high end quality material, you wouldn't be asking them to seven or to shell out seven hundred dollars. You think it'd be more? I think you're probably right. No, it'd probably, it'd probably it'd probably be less. I don't know. I think it's. I think when you're doing limited runs, I think it could be seven eight hundred dollars a unit. I really do. Yeah. And I think, well, in fact, yeah. I think Mark, I think Shuttleworth alluded to that when he said the reason why I'm not gonna close the funding gap on this is because I expect this to overrun on cost and I'm going to have to cover that that cost. So he's expecting it to be more than than what it is. What you'd probably have HR, I bet, is instead of you'd probably have like a slightly slower CPU or maybe like yeah. you know a, a, a lower class storage or something like that. Like they might have to cut in that area. Yeah. Well, good thoughts, comes, man. Comes with a floppy yeah. disk or something. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, thanks for calling in. Okay, cool. Have, have a good one. And that opens up the line, folks, if you want to call in. But uh, good thoughts on, you know, I, I, I do kind of, I see his point to a degree. Uh, I think, you know, you mentioned uh, they're not Apple and they can't expect people to jump like 
Apple gets people to jump. And right. I'd argue to some degree, um, you know, Apple has sort of channeled this amazing marketing machine with this rabid fanboyism. But the other thing that Apple does is when they're up there on stage and they say, and boom, this is the iPhone 5, it's available next Friday. Yeah, right? it's in his hand. Yeah. He's not holding a shell. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know and, and, I mean? and then the press, they get up uh, and they go into this little room and they get handled in there where they get to get shown the new toy. And it's this – it's this. everybody everybody buys it because – you're going to get it in four or five days. You know, you're going to get it in seven days, worst case, maybe 14 days. So no, it's well, not a year away. Right. I mean, and see, this, uh, th- that's, that's exactly it. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to get up on stage. I'm going to have a shell in my hand. I'm going to tell you how cool it is. If everything goes well, maybe kind of sort it. You'll get it in a year. Hey, by the way, I'm going to secure, you know, six or $700 probably on your debit card because a lot of folks are using debit versus credit. You know, all these things that pile up in, against them. Mm-hmm. And on top of the fact that, oh, hey, by the way, um, our ecosystem is completely new and unproven. But don't be worried about that. Get really excited. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a great idea, but wake up. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, to be a buzzkill, but I mean, I was really excited to see this come about. I think it's cool. I'm excited for the, yeah. You know, Firefox phone too, but it's just disappointing because it was so mishandled. That's where my frustration is. Yeah. So, um, so uh, all right, I think I will move mm-hmm. on. I was just going to mention in Coda Radio this morning, we talked with uh, uh, a guy named Dan at the Mozilla Project, and he's working on uh, Persona, which is their authentication system to compete with uh, Google Authenticator and, uh, or not the not the not the two factor app, but like Google Connect and Facebook Connect. It was a good chat. It was a good chat, and they're working on like a, a vendor-neutral sort of open, standardized login system. I was really impressed by it. That'd be really nice because honestly, logging into anything with Facebook and whatnot scares the hell out of me. So. Yeah, yeah, it always is weird because you don't know what kind of information they're getting. No, is it's it, like, is it a token or is it my entire profile? Exactly. You know, yeah. and and you know, I'm about to go and uh, maybe check something out. Is will they suddenly decide to change their policy one day and all of a sudden it's appearing in my wall? I yeah, mean, exactly. Know, yeah. All right. All right, Matt. Well, now we got Corey calling in. Hey, Corey. All right. Hey. Hey, man. What's going on? What's on your mind? Uh, I'm going to continue with the uh, Ubuntu Edge. Do it. Yeah, well, you know, with the price, I understand that uh, the price is really high, but if they really want to get the niche of the um, the people that want to have that high-end phone, you know? Yeah, I, I, I mean, feel like yeah, I agree. Like, I think, like, metal, glass, uh, This is all. these are all high-end components. I think that's one of the dings against the Samsung Galaxy S4 right now in reviews is that compared to the HTC One, it feels a little cheap because it's plasticky. Mm, right. Yeah. I I I think the high end component was a good but, one. Know, but what do you so uh but so you think price wise non issue or do you still think it was a barrier for this thing to succeed? Well, I understand that uh the price wise price wise. It, it probably is a bit of a barrier with this thing succeeding because people aren't used to paying this much for a phone. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they aren't used to having to shut out, you know, quite almost $700 just to get a phone. But, you know, when you, I'm, I've got the Indiegogo page up right now and I'm looking at it, you know, 4 gig of RAM, 128 gig. How many phones do you know with 128 gig of internal storage or 4 gig of RAM? I don't know RAM? of any. I mean, there <laughs> right. might be one, but... It, I don't know, but maybe in a year that might not be the same. I mean, yeah, but because right they are now, building that's... this thing for a year from now, and they got to be competitive with what's on the market in a year. But I think even then, I think it could still be a competitive device, or yeah, at least comparatively, it's still going to be competitive. How many of them do you think are really going to also function as a desktop if you so choose to use it that way? How do we right. know that really works, though? I mean, at this exactly. point in time. 
And we, so we've seen, what we've seen demoed is dude takes a phone, dude puts it in a dock, dude opens up a program. But that's not convergence. That's I can run two environments and with one's large screen, I start that environment. And if one's small screen, I start that environment. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's desktop switching. That's not convergence. Convergence is I'm in an instant message with Matt um, about an app on my couch. And then Matt sends me a link and I decide I want to open it up on my desktop. And I dock my phone, and that same instant message conversation moves into an application or is available to an application that is formatted for the desktop. And if I click the link, it launches my desktop web browser. But if I kept the phone in my hand and clicked the link, it would launch the mobile browser. That, to me, is true convergence. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that demonstrated. What we've seen is you can put in a dock and you can use it. And if you store all your stuff on the same file system, you can probably get to it. But I'm not actually even sure that that's how that works. Yeah, I suppose. Well, and I have one yeah. thought. Now, the closest I've ever seen to that personally, and that's certainly not there, but it's close, way closer than anything Ubuntu's got, AirDroid. Um, I pretty oh, much yeah. can, I can you know, go back and forth with messages. I can uh, access applications to back them up or whatnot. I can browse the web. I can do a lot of my you know, battery status whatnot. I can do that with AirDroid, and it's done without a dock. See, for me, the dock is a real hindrance. I don't yeah. care for that See, at all. In that post I was reading from Crash Bandicoot, he says that uh, convergence is, uh, is, looking, is an answer to a problem that doesn't exist. I don't know if I totally agree, but I kind uh, of – I, I think Corey and I would love to have – I really, I mean, you think about five years from now, these phones are so freaking powerful, it's stupid, right? You just, you might as well do something with all yeah. of that. Why not use it as a desktop? Sure. I think it's a good idea, yeah. but not, not with a dock. I think it needs to be over the air. <laughs> and it's not like the technology doesn't exist. It has for quite a while now. Um, you know, mm. just use it. Yeah, I, I suppose our over the air would probably be a lot better. It's just more convenient, really, than yeah. I better put it in the dock. Yeah, yeah. It just makes it's like hey, let me get my Palm Pilot out, and I'm gonna, you know, and I'm gonna have it dial <laughs> in and check. I'm gonna check the, you know, Enterprise. Make sure you got, make sure you got your Com port enabled uh, there, right? Matt, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, just <laughs> it's like what a buzzkill. But the phone itself is a cool idea. I'm, I'm excited about the phone. Well, I was excited about the phone, but um, you know, I just I feel like that. You know, I think you're right on the specs. I think people do want high end specs, but I think people would rather take that same six or seven hundred dollars and just go buy a really nice Android phone with the ecosystem that they can get today or tomorrow or even in a few weeks. Well, what and, I don't understand, you know, and uh, not to take too much from our conversation on Sunday, but what I don't mm-hmm. understand is. To me, it seems more capable and more likely to do some sort of middleman convergence using a tablet. Like, first of all, tablet space is pretty competitive. It seems a little more less locked down to me than the phone space right. does. Everybody's got a phone already, yeah. right? Nobody really, at this point, anybody who has the scratch to back that Indiegogo campaign, there's none of those people don't already have a phone. That's just, those That's two true. things don't exist in this universe. But they might have a little room for a new tablet. Not only that. I don't have a tablet. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and you're not married to the tablet like you are the phone. I mean, you're married to the phone. And, and, and a tablet could also be its own display. So you don't have to worry about this weird switch off, handoff mm-hmm. between desktop and mobile applications. Maybe you just create some sort of dock that holds the tablet and you have a USB mouse and keyboard hooked up to that all the time. The Note 2 sure. does this. The Note 2 that Matt now has has a dock. You put the Note 2 in a dock, you can have a USB mouse and keyboard perma hooked up to that dock, and when you put the Note 2 in that dock, it becomes a device that works with a mouse and keyboard. That's right. They could have and done that with Ubuntu cool. Touch. I I bet you, I bet. I don't know if it would have even been 32 million because you don't have to worry about all of the cellular stuff or nothing like that. You don't have to worry about this. You, you could even gone a route of like the, what Google does with the Nexus. I mean, let's be honest. The Nexus isn't some custom-built piece of hardware. It's made by Asus. 
and then Google takes it and they OEM it. I, they could have totally done yeah. that. Right. They could have. Yeah, that's kind of my kind of my theory of it. There's so much they could have done, and I I feel a little bit like they rushed into it. I like what you guys are saying about the tablet aspect. I think that's I think that would be an interesting. Maybe they approach. still will. I mean, they are working. We've that seen images be. on the Nexus. Well, and I guess when I take away from this, and, and all the Matt Hartley dramas pulled away from this whole experience, and we really looked at look at this with practical eyes. The investment thus far has been figuratively minimal. Compared to have if had they actually invested millions of dollars in this, yeah. had it flopped, yeah, and right. then say, "Oh wow, we should have done a tablet." So once you know, yeah. withdrawing my own drama from it, you know, this may just have been a learning experience for them. And if it is, then all more power to them. I get excited about a tablet. Then cool, Corey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any other thoughts before we let you go? Um, well, I suppose really it's kind of currently it's just one of those things that gets in with the geekiness of people. You know, those ones right. that small niche that idea that they could have this phone with four gig of RAM and they can plug it in and it'll, you know, just work on your Ubuntu desktop. And one that's meant to dual boot too. That's cool too. Oh yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I like that feature. Well, Hey, uh, before I let you go, chat room is asking, they want a little more uh, Luna talk. Have you tried out elementary OS? What do you think? Uh, I haven't tried it out yet. I was thinking about trying it out later though. Mm -hmm. Have you watched our review on it yet? No. Oh yeah, I, I've watched um, I've watched reviews. All right. Well, I want you to try it out and then let us know what you think. Okay. The chat. Okay. It's important to the chat room, Corey. It's important. All right, Corey. <laughs> okay. Thanks for calling, buddy. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was good. Good thoughts on Corey's part. Thanks, Corey, for calling into the chat. Appreciate it. All right, Matt. <clears throat> well, we'll leave that line open. This is apparently a hot topic. You know, it's because it's about Definitely. to. It's about to. It's 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 like time, right? It's time. It's like it's really the last and, few and, hours, and, yeah. and, and, and I think a lot awesome. of people are passionate about it from yeah. one direction or another. They either are excited and want to see it happen, uh, they're angry and they think this is a misfocus for Ubuntu and that they should concentrate on software. There's a lot of emotion. Yeah, I feel like that's me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kind, and I'm kind of you know you know I I'm so detached from them these days that you know yeah. I, I want to see them do well, whatever yeah. they're doing. No, I, I hear you. Um, all right. Well, uh, before we get into some of the last feedback, I thought I'd cover an email that was feedback addressed to this show. Yeah. Ryan emailed us and he said, I've been watching last for a little over a year now and I just wanted to uh, touch on uh, Too Much Choice episode one that I just listened to about two hours ago. I'm very happy that you guys added Too Much Choice to the lineup or Linux Unplugged as the case might be. I have a few thoughts regarding the Linux desktop frustrations. I find myself working with Unity because it works mostly out of the box and I don't have to deal with it crashing or audio not working randomly during the day. I would like to use KDE, but I truly don't have time to tweak and fix it. Hmm. You know, that's actually a fair point. Um, I've found that to be generally true. Uh, I've certainly had my own issues with Unity from time to time, but, you know, uh, in its current state, it's not too bad. Uh, KDE, the new release is out. We'll try that. Maybe they've dealt with their audio stuff. Um, It is definitely definitely a desktop for those that like to tweak and to massage into their own needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of interesting feedback. Um, a lot of a lot of folks are like, "Yeah, I have the same audio problems you guys do," and then like a lot of folks are like, "I've never had an audio problem. I don't know what the hell you're talking about." Well, someone in the chat room earlier co- commented. They said, "Well, you know, Skype for Linux is crap, and a lot of that is in fact because of the whole uh, Pulse Audio thing." I will go on record and saying this Skype call that I'm in right now for the show is on Ubuntu in Skype. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Uh, my CP- my CPU usage is I can't even see it moving. Um, yeah. it's it, the, yeah. the latest you know, it's actually pretty good so oh, yeah, um, is yeah. audio okay eh you know it's, it's not bad it's yeah. not bad in Ubuntu 
Uh, he goes on. He wants to know. Uh, he has. Uh, he wants to know if we could share some of the sites we use on a daily basis to stay up to date on Linux and IT news happenings. Uh, he'd be curious to know what we do to uh, kind of stay abreast of the news. Now, do you have any particular sites that you love to troll on a regular basis? Oh goodness, um, a lot of what I try and make it work for me as much as possible. I do a lot of Linux.com or Linux Today because it does a lot of the curating for me. Mm. Uh, Tux machines. Um, mm-hmm. I have a Google Google Watch, uh, watching for various keywords, things of that sort. Um, I don't have any real specific brand loyalty to any real websites outside of uh, Datamation, where I, where I uh, will be writing for again here in a couple months. Um, I used Nothing to ch- real specific. I so. used to check H online pretty regularly. Um, yeah, you know, but obviously that's not really an option anymore. Uh, of course, the Linux Action Show subreddit is actually seriously one of the best sure. resources. Uh, I also probably every day visit Linux Insider. Yeah, um, yeah, that's I visit, good. I visit there uh, about once a week. I go to lwn.net. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm just browsing for headlines, uh, Lexer, L-X-E-R dot com is uh, pretty good. Um, OS static blogs are good for uh, a post here and there. Um, honestly, I know, you know, uh, good old uh, Michael Larbell over there at uh, Phronix gets a hard time from time to time, but I try to check out Phronix once a day, see what they're yeah, up I to. Yeah, I check out Phronix. I don't do Lexer just because we have a long, angry personal history with variety people there. That oh, was something really? I, I, I started a fight with them a long time ago. It was my fault. It's totally long. Old, old history. I'm Matt, sure you guys if, could probably you find need, out a lot if you there. Need some, if you need a website to be dead to the show, we can make a show. We can make a site dead to the oh, show. Oh, no, no. By the way, Gawker no. is dead to Jupiter Broadcasting because I think they're a bunch of pricks. Oh yeah, they totally are. Yeah. No, Lexer is just it's it's hyper hyper uh, hyper uh, Linux user. Very very passionate people. That, yeah, that get get angry real easy. So. Ooh. <laughs> um, I also troll uh, the uh, Linux subreddit, which apparently is full of people who are super grumpy. Um, Ow. Yeah, you know, different strokes are different folks. Most of the people in the subreddit are super awesome. Every once in a while, you get somebody with a stick up his backside, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. And you mentioned TuxMachines.org, I think. Tux Tux Machine's pretty cool. Uh, Linux Today. Any, yeah, any of the, uh, yeah. you know, Fronts is good too. Yeah. Uh, the subreddit's a no question. Yeah, obviously. that is the best resource because mm-hmm. um, if there's something good on pretty much any of those sites, it'll eventually show up in the subreddit and usually within a few minutes. It's pretty good. Exactly. Uh, okay, uh, Marlon wrote in. He said, "Hi, Chris and Matt. You've both recently talked about too much choice in the Linux world and how this can be potentially get a little bit over your head. While I don't necessarily disagree per se, I think you failed to consider some implications of this. You've right. had some issues with KDE. Sorry to hear that. Right. And basically said that OS 10 and Windows users don't have the same immature problems. However, I have to disagree." Because as someone who spends a lot of time troubleshooting Windows boxes for home users, I know for a fact that this is exactly the sort of problem Windows and OS X users face as well. However, because they cannot switch desktops, sound servers, etc., they usually don't complain about it as loudly as you do, and because they don't have a podcast. The difference being that in Linux, you can at least attempt to fix these problems, while Windows OS X, you're stuck with what the factory manufactured for you. Uh, excellent. First of all, excellent feedback. I think that's. I think you made some valid points there. I used to be in PC repair myself, and that's actually it was Windows Vista that pushed me out of it completely. Um, that was at that point I just stopped, and so that, um, so I totally hear where you're coming from. I would disagree in saying that I don't. I wouldn't. I don't believe I suggested that Windows didn't present uh, frustration experiences because yeah. believe me, I feel your pain. <laughs> right. I, they really do, and I was. Yep. And I'm right there with you, and being the guy that has to tell the person Ugh. that it's not your fault, the tech, it's the fault of the you know the operating system. They're using, so I understand completely. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely feel where you're coming from. I don't think it's a matter of. I think I think the people that you're dealing with in those situations honestly don't know any differently. Where Linux users do, we have experienced different experiences, and yeah. so we are in fact looking I, at it from I, a different perspective. I have, I would have, as as somebody you know who's used Linux in production 
on and off. I, mm-hmm. I, right. I would say that audio subsystems have been more reliable, especially on OS X, um, right. than on Linux. Uh, Windows, yeah. I mean, Windows, it always comes down to how good the driver is. It's always right. about the driver on Windows. If the driver is shite, uh, yep. then the application compatibility is going to be shite. Right. Um, and, you know, he goes on to say, he says, P.S., I've never had a sound issue in KDE, and I'm running three sound cards on a desktop with one of them being a USB DAC and an amp, but it may be worthwhile to look into text configs. So... Yeah, you know, in my yeah. setup, I've got three sound options. One of them is a USB M audio adapter. Mm. And, you know, and sometimes the, the issue for me is that KDE just doesn't see the device. It just does well, not even yeah. show up. But well, if for, I log into yeah. GNOME, it's there. Well, and that's just it. I will literally have not touched uh, USB heads. Everything's left as it was today before. I will boot up, and it's saying, oh, hey, the, uh, such and such sound card. It's not there anymore. What do you want to do about that? Do you want to ignore it? Wait, what? You know, that's that's not something that I, that that's where our frustration comes from, and so in a, in a Windows experience or an OS ten experience, usually you don't get the nag in Windows or OS ten. It just won't work, and usually, <laughs> or then and then of course the the yeah. you know casual user just says, oh well, I'll just call my tech. Linux users are a hands on crowd to where they're thinking, oh well, I need to massage this and figure out why it's not working. Plus, I'm seeing a nag about it, so that's usually the difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think uh, I think, but great feedback though. Yeah, I think it's worth considering, and I'm willing to kind of, you know, I'm kind of willing to, to monkey around with my setup to see if maybe I'm just doing something wrong. I'm willing to accept the possibility, Matt. I can accept it. Uh, yep. I just want to refer people, and I'll try to remember to link to this. Um, you know what? I'll put a, I got, I got some notes I've started right here for the show notes. Uh, ooh, in the, uh, <laughs> in the subreddit, uh, said, uh, he started, he started a thread it's called, uh, and I thought this was so great as a longtime Linux user, Linux Games. Before it was cool, you know, so like games before we had actual <laughs> games, and I don't mean Oh, this. yeah, I remember those days. He says, I'm a gamer, I like games, it's great that we have Steam now, and most indie games are announcing Linux support, and we've even seen some AAA stuff. Like, how cool was that space game I showed in last on Sunday? It was awesome. That was really awesome. Like, I realized, like, uh, Linux has gotten to the point now where I'm checking what new games are in Steam on a weekly basis, and I'm getting one or two a week. Yeah, maybe one a week. This is amazing, Matt. I mean, this is a. I'm getting one or two new video games from Steam a week for Linux. Did I remember like it was a big deal because we had Unreal Tournament and Postal? Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, and Postal. I mean, come on, who hasn't played Postal? I mean, everybody likes. Remember how appreciative we are when Unreal Tournament 2004 came out for Linux, and we were like, (laughs) "Thank you, thank you." Yeah. That was the only game I played. I ignored a Windows partition completely because of that. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah, and I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to take a minute. At, ooh, post in the subreddit made me think yeah. about that, and I just thought I got to reflect on this on on how we've had such a fundamental shift now, and you know, really good games in Steam. Very right. excited, uh, and I. I don't believe this shuts out the open source games at all. I think this sort of lights a fire, and I think we're going to see a new generation of open source games coming soon. Anyways, uh, in his subreddit post, he linked to NetHack and Hedge Wars, uh, Broken Sword, a bunch of really good old games. So if you guys want to get your uh, retro gaming, he's got an Android alpha build for a couple of these. If you want to get your retro gaming on, I'll try to remember to put all. In fact, I just closed it before I got the link. I'll put the link right now. I'm, I'm writing it down for my notes, so that way you guys can go check that out if you want to go get your nostalgia. <clears throat> Why not, right? Good times, good times. All right, uh, I'm going to read another email. This one is uh, sent in from Ian, and it's on the topic of mail servers. You know that's been a hot topic of mine recently. Oh, man, it's been burning up the subreddit. It says, Dear Matt and Chris, I just watched the first episode of Linux Action Show Unplugged. He called it Untangled, 
which is pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay. If we would have had like the, you know, like back in back in the day of old time radio, you'd have like one sponsor that was right. like the beneficiary sponsor of your entire show. You'd even name the show after that sponsor in some cases. If Untangle was that for Unplugged, we could have done that. That would have uh, totally worked. Yeah. You know, radio theater and the yeah. whole thing. Theater of the mind, Matt. He exactly. said he found it very informative, interesting, and uh, he said uh, since uh, we asked about different setups of mail servers of the viewers, he decided to send an email from his own mail server, oh, which wow. he does not keep up 24-7, by the way. He's okay with that. Mm. I just recently switched from Ubuntu to Arch, and I found Arch to be a great distribution. I tried to set up a mail server for my family with Courier MTA, which is an IMAP and SMTP solution rolled into one application, right? Uh, there was an excellent wiki page on the Arch wiki, but I was not able to get relays working correctly, so I switched to PostFix for SMTP and Courier IMAP for IMAP. The combination has been working wonderfully, and I used the tutorial, and he links me to a tutorial on uh, HyperX dot or uh, HyperXer, H-Y-P-E-X-R dot org. Hmm. Uh, with a few modifications to be able to set it up, I checked out the uh, tutorial. It actually looked pretty good. I also decided to set up a webmail system with PHP and Apache. He used uh, nice. After Logic Webmail Lite as his webmail package because it was easy to configure and has a nice and easy to use interface. And because, of course, it's open source under the GPL3. Gotta love that. So good to see see that happening. Uh, second email came in here to the show. This one came from Demetrius. Demetrios? Demetrius? Doritos. He says Hi, Chris and Matt. On last season 28, episode 3. And on Linux Action Show Unplugged, you spoke about remote desktop solutions. For years, I've been using multi-user remote desktop based on NX called No Machine. It's easy to set up, runs over the SSH port, and is very customizable. And best of all, it behaves like a terminal server in Windows in that multiple users can be logged in to their own desktop over RDP at the same time. It's very customizable, very customizable and scales well. He says, by the way, congrats on the new addition. My hat's off to you for being able to not only run the network... But also get some salt, and but on probably what I assume is only two to three hours of sleep. <laughs> He's right about that. So, no machine and uh, NX. Wow, talked well, about it you know, a while ago. Have you familiar? Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. I, it's been so long since I played with it. it. It's it's one of those things that where it's powerful, but it's not exactly uh, like TeamViewer. You know what I mean? You're not just right. going to walk into it and get it working. You actually have to. There is some minor configuration involved. So I think it has its place. I think I certainly think it has its place with anyone that's experienced with such things. Um, it's not for everybody, and I think it's something that each individual would have to try to decide whether or not it's a match for them. But it is very cool and very powerful. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah I have I have used it, and um, it is. Amazing! It is the performance is incredible. I had a machine set yeah. up in Texas. I would remote into that machine and I would work out of that machine all day long. I could watch videos. I'm talking YouTube videos, everything through this remote connection through NX. It is incredible. However, Splashtop is a little better for like that remote desktop solution where you actually and this was key need to get the console that is up on the screen. Because I will right. start an application in the studio right there in X, I'll launch Handbrake, and then I'll walk away and go make dinner. And I want to exactly. be able to just fire up on my tablet or go into my uh, home office and just pull up the studio machine and just see where Handbrake's at. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I know that I, f- I felt so bad for a few people that have had struggles getting it to work in Arch. Um, I didn't have that hard a time with it, but I know folks that legitimately have. 
And uh, But at the same time, it's just so fast and so easy to use. And I can use it on my phone. I can use it on another desktop. I can use it from anywhere in the world. It's just brain-dead simple to use once you get it installed. It really and, is. And I could, I could see what Arm's saying in the chat room where TeamViewer is uh, – it's a little more available for other distributions. It totally is. And I use TeamViewer actually on another uh, desktop, and the performance is also good. It's not I, – I, and I love TeamViewer, and I want to be clear on that. I'm a user. But the performance is not even remotely as good as Splashtop. And I'm being, and I'm going to say that as a TeamViewer fan. I like them. I think they're great. I use their app every day. There is no contest. There just isn't. Um, no contest. Well, and I would say no contest. If you, want to di- if you want to dumb down the appearance of your desktop, yes, it's comparable. If you want it to be like you're sitting there with all the colors and the graphics and the sound and everything, no. I- I'm sorry. I, I just, I- and I'm-, I'm saying that using both applications. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you too. You know. Um, but I like TeamViewer. It's a good app. I, this, I use it a lot. Uh, this episode, Matt, our second sponsor, uh, this episode is the uh, 30-inch Sony Trinitron on eBay that um, Microcode has linked to us in the chat room. Uh, that's right. For $350, you can get a 30-inch Sony CRT. No, I'm kidding. But he did link a well, – I don't know why he linked a, a 30-inch CRT <laughs> in, our, in our chat room. Uh, I guess if uh, somebody out there wants a CRT, uh, maybe, maybe you really want to get your retro on. Maybe when I remember earlier when I mentioned getting your retro on, well, that no is, kidding. yeah. Although it does say HD, so there's that. There is that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I guess. So. <laughs> I, I guess uh, it doesn't say what resolution though. Oh, I take that back. It's CRT. Doesn't It'll go up to 1080i. <laughs> Actually, a, a 1080i CRT. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Well, I mean, it's like I know the you know, the refresh rate. Uh, would you like to burn your eyeballs out or not? I mean, know that matters. But um, you know, if anything below seventy is going to make you get a headache. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just kind of like yeah, you know. Hey, Matt, really. guess what? Ah, bye, bye, bye. It's Energy Star compliant. Oh well, that's important, especially so, when you're bringing in a, a 300 pound monitor onto your desk. I mean, you get a bid now. I'm going to place a bid. It's not even available for buy now. <laughs> you got a bid on this thing on this bad oh boy. Oh my god! Uh, no, our second sponsor this week is Unity Sync from Directory Wizards. Woo-hoo. Here's the thing, you guys. I'm just going to save you a lot of trouble. I'm going to make you the IT wizard. Hey, hey, if you got a if you got if you got a directory synchronization problem, then you know what I'm talking about. If you've got desperate data stores that don't talk to each other that need to talk to each other, Unity Sync is going to solve this. And if you're in that position, you're going to become the IT hero. You're welcome. I just made you the savior of of your IT department. You guys have been looking bad. Maybe your HR department keeps things up to date but doesn't update your other database so that what gets pushed out to all the users is not current. Yes, I'm familiar with that situation. Unity Sync is going to solve that. But it goes way, 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 way beyond that. If you've got Microsoft SQL Database, Access Databases, Open LDAP, E-Directory, Active Directory, iMail, LDIF file, CSV file, Sun, whatever it is, if you need to move directory data between two different types of directories, you want to do it intelligently, and you want to do it maybe with some templates. You want to maybe throw a little Perl script in there to get extra flexibility. Unity Sync's going to do that for you. Directory Wizards has created Unity Sync to solve this problem, and it's available for Linux. You can actually have two separate Active Directory domains that are completely individually apart from each other. The Unity Sync is running on a Linux box, keeping those two Active Directory machines in check. You know what I'm saying? You bring in the Linux box. You could, I mean, you could put it on a Windows machine if you're that guy. But you're not that guy. You're going to put it on a Linux box and you're going to salt. You're going to say, hey, boss, here's what I got for you. I got this Unity Sync. We're going to load it on a rig. And if we use the code Linux when we download it, I'm going to get 30 days on a trial. So we can try it out for a month to make sure it's doing what we want. 
And if you use that code Linux, you're also going to get a year of maintenance for free. So the boss is going to like that. I say this oh, is yeah. the way to go. You say, hey, look, look, we can get a year of maintenance on this. And Unity, Unity Sync has a very, very competitive model where they charge based on the directory, not the users, and not the size of the database. Think about how nice that is. If no you have kidding. something that's growing over time, you're not going to have to worry when it comes up time to renew that maintenance. So many vendors try to ding you for the size of the directory. That's ridiculous. That's not how computers work. Go over to derwiz.com, click on Unity Sync, and put in the code Linux for your trial download, and you'll unlock the extra bennies. While you're over there, check out some of their notable customers. Matt, have I showed you this list yet? No, I have not seen the list. Well, there's a few people on here like the Air Force Command and Control Information Systems of Canada. They, oh, no, one, no one's heard of these guys. They yeah. use yeah, they use Unity Sync. The uh, Army, you know, DC Council uh, uses Unity <laughs> yeah. Sync. Uh, the uh, I mean, the list goes on. On Fiserv uses Unity Sync. Uh, the uh, U.S. Marines use Unity Sync. The NFL like, Anheuser Busch uses Unity Sync. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, this and, is enterprise yeah, grade, like man. Beer. I mean, come on. I I need I need. Awesome. Every time uh, Anheuser-Busch needs to update something about Budweiser to their Red Hook directory, UnitySync's taking care of it for them. And the nice thing is, is UnitySync can go in there and just move a record, or it can move everything in that directory. It can be super intelligent. It can be safe. Uh, no per-user cost makes it super nice for scaling. And, of course, it's great for backup, too. So use the code Linux when you're downloading the, the, the demo and check it out. Go save the day. IT can get run over by the other people in the company when these kinds of problems aren't solved. And I have been there. That leads to burnout. That leaves that leaves people feeling a little hostile. Oh, yeah. We don't want you to have a hostile work environment. So no, thanks I keep to, out here. No, no, no. We're, we're hooking you guys up. And so is Unity Sync. So thanks to Unity Sync for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Good stuff. <clears throat> All right. So I got a couple more emails I want to make sure we get through. Yeah. Uh, we're almost running out of time, and I, I still have an inbox full of email, <laughs> Matt. It's like we're going to have to just keep doing this. I know, uh, so uh, David wrote in. He says, go for Unplugged. Hi, Chris and Matt. I was so excited to hear about the extra show, and it's absolutely excellent. My suggestion, don't change the format at all. From nice. what you have done already, it's excellent. It's open. It's frank. And the discussions are great. You've done what you've done for the Linux world is perfect and presented the new show with the same professionalism and from the heart nature of Lass. He says, uh, I have released episode nine of Linux Down Under podcast, LDUP for short, which is my own small contribution to the Linux industry with an Aussie view. Keep up the good work and thank you so much for giving us the extra awesome show. Spend time to listen to all things Linux unplugged. Uh, he says, by the way, Matt, uh, don't hate on Fedora too much. He's a Fedora and a KDE <laughs> user. I, you know, I, I'm a big Red Hat company fan as far as Fedora is concerned. I just, I, I keep revisiting it and, uh, you know, my, my mind could totally change one day. It yeah. could totally happen. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I should keep reading it. We got so many emails that came in and I haven't even gotten to the bad messages. By the way, what would you think about us doing like an in-depth, hey, what do you think about doing this week's Slash Etsy on BitMessage? Ooh! It's just kind of like yeah, I could just show because it. like someone like me that's not using yeah. it would love yeah. to know more about it. Well, I mean, and I get I I get to watch it as a kind of a participant in a sense from afar, but not really. And then, using it daily. so one of the things yeah. I was thinking we could show is mm. one of the nice features about BitMessage is you can have an address that multiple people subscribe to. So we could have a feedback address for this show that oh, when yeah. people send to that, it goes to both our BitMessage inboxes. Hmm. I like that. I kind of I kind of you know. I do want to roll my own email server because I have to talk to the rest of the world. But at right. the same time, I, I, I really feel like, you know, email's broken fundamentally from a security standpoint. And BitMessage really, really addresses a lot. Like even if, 
Even if BitMessage was unencrypted and clear text, I would still think BitMessage is a good idea just based on the peer-to-peer nature. The peer-to-peer nature has some downsides as then everybody's downloading everybody's messages, but only if you can only open those messages if you have the right cryptographic answer to the question, which means there's no metadata to collect. There's no monitoring that can happen. There's this blockchain concept. People download it. They have the answer. They unlock the content, and then they can read it. And I think... I think whenever we see something that comes out like this that fundamentally solves a privacy issue or a security issue, like encryption by default, and it's open source, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind focusing on that in our shows, giving attention to that. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great idea, and it'd be kind of fun to experiment and see what it is. Because I remember when RSS was a big deal, solving different problems, obviously, but it was solving the newsletter problem and the spam folder problem and all that sort of thing, and it never really took off as right. much as people thought it would. You know, they, they, it was the email killer and all this. But with BitMessage, I think it does go a step closer than RSS does. Well, in one that, of the interesting aspects know? of BitMessage is in order to communicate something to the network, you have mm-hmm. to do relatively a costly proof of concept work. You have to do a proof of work. Oh. You have to do some math. You have to calculate yeah. for the network. You have to crunch numbers. Mm-hmm. And that is not a big deal when you're firing off you know, a few bit messages. But if you wanna if you wanna spam on a mass scale, the CPU cost is 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 extremely high. It, exactly. It, it destroys profitability for spamming. It's not impossible to spam the bit message network, but the cost to do it, CPU wise, is really unsustainable. So that's one of the interesting things about BitMessage is while without actually charging money, they have found a way to introduce cost to prevent spamming. That's a really interesting point. And not only that, but it's inherently easy enough to do for a newsletter type environment, like you talked about, a community, basically a community bucket to where everybody can kind of pile into that. It's it's gonna be interesting to see where it evolves to, you know. And again, I'm a total newbie to BitMessage. So I mean this is gonna be interesting for me as a as an end user to be introduced to it and to really get my feet wet. All right, man, I'm gonna say uh, the last chance for anybody that's watching live that wants to call in, uh, Skype us at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Hopefully next week we'll have the mumble deal all figured out. Just got an email from David at the Elementary OS Project. He says, hi there, Elementary OS developer here. I'm uh, curious about coming on the show and talking to you guys. I don't have Skype oh, yeah. set up right now on Linux, but I'd love to join you on Mumble in the future. So there you go. Well, that sounds like a great idea. There you go, David. We'd love to have you on a Linux Unplugged in the future, and hopefully we'll have Mumble set up. We, uh, Matt and I are thinking we're going to have, uh, a, 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 hopefully, if everything works out, we'll have a Mumble room for people just to hang out out in general. Oh, yeah. Specifically to hang out during live shows, Linux Unplugged in particular, just a lobby for people to chat. Then we'll have a screening room where you'll get moved into. You can join on your own volition where people can just get in there and say, hey, I'd like to go on air. And we'll have an operator in there who will check your mic, make sure your audio is working, make sure you don't have your stream on, you know, the caller turn on your radio thing. And then they're going to move you into what we'll probably have as a uh, showroom where anybody in that room can go on air. And it's not like you have to jump through some sort of crazy hoop. It's just you, you have to pace basic flight checks. And, and then eventually you'll kind of – I would love to even have people who have a known good status and they can always just enter the room directly and contribute away. I think that would be great too. That would be um, awesome. Yeah. You know, kind of a green room if you will. Yeah. yeah, we'll have a green room to make sure you're all ready for flight and then we'll actually have the flight deck where when you go in there, you're on air. And you just nice. boom, right in there. And uh, I think that's going to be a great way for people to contribute to the show in real time. Uh, so yeah. I think I think we'll call it right there. I got so much more stuff, man. I got so much I know, more it's stuff. just like overflowing out of the Yeah, I mean we could crazy. we could go for another hour and still only have scratched just these the bottom of the barrel of these emails. Just not even to, like a little nick, Matt, a little nick off the top. <laughs> but I'm glad we were able to get to the ones we 
we could. I, I actually have a few more. Oh, gosh, I hate to wrap up, Matt, but I got to go make uh, dinner. I got to go make dinner. So it is thing. what it is. Huh? Yeah, it's, a, it's that dinner thing. It's that food thing, Matt. Got to eat. Yeah. Got to eat. Yeah. Plus, I ran out of beer. So. Well, th- that's it. There, there, There's your sign. You know. Once I'm out of beer, that's kind of the indication that the show's over. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, I want to make sure everybody joins us next Sunday for the big show. We'll be talking about one of the things we'll be talking about is Ubuntu Edge, among other things, like probably Pit Message. And a few other nice little surprises, plus the news. Don't forget, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can just email us, linuxactionshow at jupiterbroadcasting.com, or start a thread in our subreddit over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. And you can join us live Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. Always great to have you guys. Love to see you next time. Hey, Matt, have a great week. You too. We'll see you soon. All right, everyone. See you right back here next week for Linux Unplugged. <laughs>